Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, curious minds out there in our ever-expanding radio land. Welcome to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Biteman, MD. That's me. This is the only radio show in the world dedicated to the study of coincidences, synchronicity, and serendipity. We are coming to you through the X-Zone Broadcast Network located in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and broadcasting all over the world. What is the relationship between mind and brain? Does the brain produce consciousness or does the greater consciousness produce the brain? How do mind and brain interact with each other? I am a psychiatrist. I study this question in my office. And I've come to the conclusion that we have to respect consciousness as superseding our material plane. I help people with medications and psychotherapy. I work in both mind and brain. And you need your mind to recognize a coincidence and your brain to talk about it. Coincidences are like messages in a bottle. The message can be about you and the message can be about where the bottle and the message came from, from that sea of infinite possibilities. Coincidences sometimes point us toward previously unrecognized causal connections. They teach us about hidden potentials within, within us, like telepathy and human GPS. That is, our ability to get places we need to go without knowing how we got there. We have capacities that coincidences tell us we have, but we don't pay attention to unless we look. They tell us about other intelligences that may be influencing our lives, and they sometimes trick us. The phrase, connecting with coincidence, is my coincidence brand. It is the name of my book, my Psychology Today blog, my website, and my social media sites. Be sure to visit my YouTube channel, too. To find any and all of them, please put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine. Would you like to know how sensitive to coincidences you are? Take the Weird Coincidence Survey on my website. I am developing a taxonomy for coincidences. Early botanists noticed similarities and differences among plants and categorized them. I've noticed the similarities and differences between the coincidental flora and fauna in the, flora, in the forest of daily life. Let's look at some data to get some idea about categories. David Spiegelhalter at the University of Cambridge has collected over 5,000 coincidence stories. A solid 58% of those coincidences include words related to family or loved ones, indicating that people are more likely to notice coincidences involving people closest to them. That reflects the basic connection between 
family members and people who love each other. And that connection seems to allow for an increase in coincidences between the two people. That the common coincidences in the Spiegelhalter analysis included sharing a birthday with someone, connections involving books, TV, or other news, vacation-related coincidences, meeting people in transit while walking around in airports or on or off public transportation, as well as coincidences related to marriage or in-laws. Spiegelhalter is a statistician who believes that coincidences are best understood by the laws of probability at work. For example, the probability of two people having the same birthday is one out of 365, 365 days in the year, which means that if you tell 365 people when your birthday is, you are likely to find at least one person who shares the same birthday. Vacation-related coincidences involve unexpectedly running into someone you know. Since you probably know a great many people and you are part of a specific socioeconomic group, it is likely that you will take vacations in the same place as people in your socioeconomic group. So that's explainable by probability. The researchers also looked at the tone of the stories, and this was surprising to me, uh, they, and to them as well. Uh, they, they found that uh, the tone of the stories was more negative more often, or at least more neutral, than it was positive. And we generally think of coincidences as being positive. Got to understand that a little bit better. My, search, my research approached the question in a different way. While Spiegelhalter asked participants to report their stories, I asked participants to rate the frequency of common coincidences. For my 1,500 respondents, the most common ones included, I think of a question only to have it answered by an external source. I think of an idea and hear or see it on the radio. I think of calling someone only to have that person unexpectedly call me. And the ones that involve the media are the ones that interest me the most because I've gotten to the conclusion uh, that we are becoming nodes in the vast Internet connectivity. Our guest today is Ray Grassi. Ray looks at synchronicity and beyond synchronicity. He looks for the events of everyday life that show us coincidences that may have something to do with ideas and feelings related to us and beyond us. But he looks at the symbols of everyday life and tries to help us see that there's much more going on around us than we have allowed ourselves to see. We'll be, we will come back after a short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to CC with BB, Connecting with Coincidence, and our guest today is Ray Grassi. 
Ray has authored four books, An Infinity of Gods, The Waking Dream, Signs of the Times, and Under a Sacred Sky. He worked for 10 years on the editorial staffs of Quest Books and the Quest Magazine, and is currently associate editor of the Mountain Astrologer Magazine. He graduated from the Art Institute of Chicago with a double major in filmmaking and painting and studied extensively with teachers in the Kriya, Yoga, and Zen traditions. Welcome to the show, Ray. Glad to have you on with us. Hi, thanks. thanks for having me. Uh, how, did you, how did you end up uh, writing the, the, the book um, on, on the waking dream? I, I love the title, and there's a, there's a movie uh, with a similar uh, wake, title called Waking Life, which has the right. same I, I, idea behind it. And there's some similarity between that movie and the book that you wrote. How did you get yeah. around to, the, to that book? Well, it, I, I first heard the term synchronicity when I was in college. A professor of mine mentioned it. And it fascinated me. And around the same time, I was uh, started studying with this yogi in Chicago, an American-born yogi named uh, Goswami Kriyananda. And I started to see that what some of these traditional sources were talking about was symbolic events. You even find it in the old Vedic texts, this idea that life has a symbolic dimension. And the more I got into this, the more I realized that it's not just coincidence. There's many types of symbolic or meaningful events besides just coincidence. And I set out to write the book. It started out as a very small book, and then it wound up, I realized, in order to really get to the roots of this, I had to get into other things such as karma and telos or purpose, or the theory of correspondences, astrology, etc., so what I was trying to do was present an integral theory, you might say, of synchronicity and how you have to really see synchronicity in this broader context of a symbolic worldview, um, yes. symbolic cosmology. Yes. Yes. Uh, did I understand you correctly that you started with synchronicity as, um, uh, as you began thinking about symbols more generally? Yeah. In fact, the book, the original uh, thrust of the book was synchronicity. Uh, they wound up, uh, the publisher wound up taking the word out of the subtitle. So I, uh, and it's, it's a long story, but basically it was basically meant to be a book that explains synchronicity from a somewhat broader standpoint. Yeah. Um, and if I can divide up what you're talking about here from the, the narrower view uh, at the beginning to the broader view, when you were thinking about synchronicity itself um, uh, and trying to put it in context and explain it, what, what, what were you going to say just about synchronicity? Well, you know, there are what I call literal synchronicities, uh, coincidences, and metaphoric, or you might say obvious coincidences and subtle coincidences. And one of the points I was trying to make was you can see the obvious uh, coincidences, like, for example, the number 23 crops up, you know, seven, eight times in the course of a day, or a person's name, an obscure name comes up several times. That's an obvious coincidence. But when you get into a more symbolic sort of epistemology or mindset, you see that our world is rife with subtle coincidences, like, for example, um, like you might have uh, the, the a fire. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. You look outside and you see a car on fire. That same day you drop a knife on the floor and it cuts your foot. Or then you look at your horoscope and you see the planet Mars is affecting your chart. And then there's an argument you have with your spouse that night. Those are all linked in a symbolic way, but they wouldn't be obvious to someone that didn't think outside of that literal box. And that, so, that, that is uh, that is stretching um, 
my mind when I hear you say that, because it's fire that's underneath it, or at least kind of aggressive, yeah. uh, potentially destructiveness. But, uh, uh, the energy, Mars uh, energy, but uh, with a little, some power and maybe a force that's destructive in it. And so I think that's the underlying theme you're talking about uh, as I hear it. It's and, one of them, yeah. Or one of, one of them. Take that apart. Take those four apart for us, please. Uh, what do you mean? Which four? Are you the four talking? you just mentioned for the, the car on fire, the knife, the oh, um, yeah. the argument. Well, this is where one of the things that, uh, as I was studying with uh, the uh, various yogis I studied with, I got more heavily into astrology. And I first learned astrology, strangely enough, uh, from a college class. Uh, my professor, Maureen Cleary, had been a, a professor of psychology at the University of Chicago. And she left her psychological background to get into astrology when she discovered how uncanny it was. And one of the things you learn as you get into something like astrology is how things are connected through subtle analogies and linked correspondences and that our life is a network of correspondences in subtle ways. And so, for example, uh, when a Mars transit comes up, like I was starting to talk about there, you might have various symbols come up in your life on that given day. Or if a Jupiter aspect comes up in your day, there might be different kinds of symbols. And they're all linked, but they might not be obvious to someone that didn't understand the language of symbolism. And when you get into the language of symbolism, you see that our life is permeated with coincidences of that subtle sort. Uh, and, and, and you take it beyond that, and I think where you were talking before about taxonomy, and I think that everybody that gets into a serious study of synchronicity develops their own taxonomy and categorization, and I, I find them all really interesting. And the one that I have found helpful is the idea that there aren't just personal synchronicities, there are collective and there are universal synchronicities. So for instance, uh, Carl Jung, he made certain statements about synchronicity, and one of them was that it was essentially a personal phenomena, which I don't really agree with because you see synchronicities happen on the mass level, the collective level. For example, my friend Richard Tarnas talks about the, the odd coincidence of the fact that right at the time of the French Revolution, uh, there was the mutiny on the bounty happening quite a distance away. And yet there was no way for there to be any communication between those two events. But it clearly tied into the same sort of archetype, which actually in astrology had to do with the Uranus-Pluto uh, pattern that was happening at the time. Square, probably, huh? Uh, no, it was an opposition, actually, around the 1790s. Uh, but it's the same basic energy. We're on, we've been under a square the last few years, and that's why it feels kind of like the, a throwback to the French Revolution or the 60s when there was a conjunction of Uranus and Pluto. For, so, for, our, for, for our readers, for our listeners, um, Rick Tarnas's book, uh, Cosmos and Psyche, goes through a whole bunch of these correlations between uh, astrological uh, activity and uh, stuff happening on Earth. Right. Right. And by the same token, you could talk about this eclipse that occurred recently cuts across the U.S. and suddenly we have these natural disasters happen, uh, just like in Turkey in 1999 when a total eclipse cut across Turkey and you had a, right after that some major event. Or you take, a, just put aside astrology for the moment and talk about, I remember when the Shah of Iran had to leave under pressure because of the rising protest. And within 60 seconds of his leaving Iran, there was a major earthquake that hit Iran. And I remember thinking, whoa, this does not bode well for the stability of this country, because it happened at the beginning. That's one of the laws of symbolism and synchronicity that you see in traditional sources, this idea that the beginnings uh, contain the seeds of the outcome. And that's actually the whole basis of not only astrology, but of various cultures like the Native American culture, where they talk about look to the moment of birth of a child. There may not be an obvious coincidence. Take, for example, Tesla, Nikola Tesla. When he was born, there was an electric storm that occurred right when he was born. Now, you know, is that a coincidence? Well, yeah, it is if you understand the symbolism of his life and how he became so involved with electricity, or there was a 
a strange blue light that occurred over the home of Elvis Presley when he was born, according to his dad, Vernon. And um, so there's many different kinds of symbols and many different kinds of synchronicities and signs if you understand the language. The the idea that you are saying, the idea behind what you are describing, is so very important for us to clarify that we don't have to just think of two events happening around the same time as unrelated, that we can begin to think about them as having something to do with each other, and that something to do with each other may be very important to understanding what's going on and what can happen. It's yeah. not it's not the way we're taught to think these days. Uh, and you, you, since I'm a psychiatrist, I, I can, I've no people, patients who overly do what you're talking about yes. in, in a way that is uh, like uh, chaotic and uh, overly complex. So finding the place in between um, is a, a challenge. But most of us aren't going to get too crazy about it, literally too crazy about it. I wonder well, if you would go, go back to your original um, description. I could, of the... I could say a word about that because that's okay. a really important point you bring up. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's very easy to go off the rails with this sort of thing. And there's yes. even a movie, what is it, Someone Who Lives in His Basement, what's the name of that film? I can't remember. But it's, you, you see this. Sign. First, uh, they, they get too caught up in it. and, and But this, is, this can happen with anything. A person can get too heavily into meditation. They can get too heavy into psychology. They can get too heavily into anything. And so there always has to be that balance. It's not about trying to decipher every little thing. It's about you know, finding that balance. Uh, you know, oh, great, 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 great oh. answer. Great answer. You can get too heavily into everything and to, to lots of things. That is, I, I needed to have that one because I get, uh, have to get a little defensive when people go, well, that can be what psychotics think. Well, you can get too yeah. heavy into anything. That, that's, that's great. But would you please take us back uh, to the uh, original, uh, the first example you gave us of that it's more real life for everybody sure. else. The car on fire, the knife injured the foot, the fight with a, a spouse, and I think you said Mars in transit. Right. Uh, link those for us. Yeah, sure. You see, all of those have an underlying archetypal meaning of force and uh, energy. Yeah. And energy can be good energy, it can be bad energy, or destructive, I should say. And uh, let's say if a person has a Mars squaring their moon on a given day, that's of a more destructive nature. It doesn't, it, I wouldn't say it's bad. I'm very careful not to use terms good or bad when it comes to either astrology or synchronicity because it's all relative. But all of those symbols on that given day have a certain energy of extreme force attached to them or of even a sort of intrusive energy like the knife landing on the person's foot. Uh, I know a woman, for instance, where she met a man, and I asked her what happened the first day she met him, because it turned out to be a disastrous relationship with lots of arguments. And she told me how she was working as a uh, clerk in a store, a health food store. And as she got to talking to this man for the first time, a car literally exploded in flames outside the, the, <laughs> the store. No one got hurt. But that, that is not exactly a harmonious symbol for the, the, the beginning of a relationship. And I looked at her horoscope for that day, and indeed, she had a very strong Mars aspect firing. And I'm sure that if we looked at other things happening in her life on that given day or that week, you'd see other things that were connected to it having to do with Martian sort of symbols. We're coming to the end of this segment. That's very, very interesting, Ray. And we'll continue this after a short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. 
For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to CC with BB. Our guest today is Ray Grassi. We're having a great discussion about symbols um, and how we can extend our notion of synchronicity to uh, a lot more going on around us. And Ray's been talking about how uh, the beginnings of events, the beginnings of processes uh, contain uh, the seeds of the future. And that's uh, that's and gave you a good example of uh, a, a woman meeting somebody in a car exploding outside. I have another story of two people meeting on a dance floor, and uh, as they they never really met before, and they'd seen each other before, and they uh, as they were dancing uh, and looking, and they started looking into each other's eyes, um, they started singing together the words of the song that was being played. And the words of the song that was being played were, the greatest thing you can ever learn is to love and be loved in return. What do you think of that beginning, Ray? That's good. <laughs> that reminds me of one, a friend of mine uh, told me about the time that he was breaking up with his girlfriend and they were driving down the road and it was a very somber thing, obviously. And as they stopped at the red light, a car pulled up next to them, an open convertible, and the guy was blasting the radio loud and the song was the Everly Brothers' Bye Bye Love. <laughs> and he said he and his girlfriend had to look at each other and laugh despite how bad that moment was for both of them. Yeah, that, that's, that's right there. That's right there. Um, Let's talk about you and Carl Jung. You've mentioned uh, where you differ in Jung. It's not just personal. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, cultural uh, as, as well as, um, as uh, maybe large groups as well as cultures. And the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick. Sorry, kids. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One NA member FDIC. Nations. Um, please talk about uh, how you've been influenced by Jung's work and where you differ from him. Well, Jung well, was the pioneer. Actually, Paul, as you know, Paul Kammerer was the real pioneer. Yes. And the difference between the Austrian biologist Paul Kammerer was he looked at sequential coincidences, like the number seven occurs one after the other during the day, whereas Jung chose to focus on simultaneous coincidences, things that happen at the same time. And uh, Jung really, I think, gave it a certain heft and brilliance the way he brought it together. But there were, I think, some problems with the way he, he described it. One is it's, it's neither just simultaneous or uh, sequential. It's, it's, if you take the symbolic view, it goes in every which direction. But also this idea that he felt it was eminently a um, personal phenomenon. And uh, he had an argument with, I can't remember the name of the colleague uh, about this uh, question. Was it simply a personal phenomenon or not? And when you see the coincidences happening on the cultural level, like the mutiny on the bounty, or those that happened before and around 9-11, for instance, or that happened around the launching of the Titanic, you see that it does not just relate to an indiv individual psychology. And by the same token, um, you know, there are cosmic coincidences. The fact that astrology, there may be a certain aspect between Uranus and Pluto, and then you have an earthquake on the Earth, and that doesn't involve individuals at all, I mean, except to the degree that it affects them. And so you have these, these there are other things, too, about Carl Jung's view of it, but basically, 
Uh, again, I don't think it just relates to coincidences. I think it relates to all events in our life. If you understand that symbolic matrix, if you look at the horoscope, you're, you see your entire life as an expression of the symbols and the archetypes in your horoscope, whether or not they're implicated in a given coincidence or not. We live in a symbolic matrix, Ray. I think that is your simple way of describing yeah. your message. And I think it's very, very important to be able to get to that. My question um, about Jung um, and the personal, uh, just and his, uh, what your view is of how far uh, Jungians take uh, the personal and synchronicity. From what I've read, mostly the emphasis of Jungian uh, therapists, Jungian psychologists and therapists, tends to be on individuation. And individuation is the development of the individual to become him or herself. Okay. Uh, most of it seems to me, from what I've read, that it's like psych it's psychotherapy by coincidence, psychotherapy by synchronicity. It's, it's mostly about uh, psychological things and interpersonal things that therapists generally uh, address. It's not so much about the spiritual. What do you think of that? Well, I think it works on both levels. You know, you have in the... Um in The Waking Dream, I think chapter 7, I open up with a, a famous story from the Buddhist tradition about the Buddha walking, to, he was engaged in these very intense austerities, uh, pushing himself almost to the brink of starvation. And right at that point, according to the legends anyway, there's a, a group of dancers and singers that come down the road uh, singing a song about string not the instrument too tight or too loose. And based on that, he, he kind of took that as a symbolic teaching about the middle path. Don't go to extremes. And now that was clearly a, a spiritual you know, teaching in the form of that external event, although you could also say it was a psychological. It was also a, about his individuation as a teacher, as a person. So I see it working on both levels. I, there's another story that I relate about a woman I knew that was thinking of uh, getting involved with a Sufi group down in, I think it was Nashville, and she was really wrestling with this idea of whether or not to get involved with this group. She had never been involved with anything quite like that before, and she was sitting in the O'Hare airport. And suddenly over the intercom in the airport, there comes a message uh, saying that there is um, uh, some Islamic prayer in the uh, chapel. And now she had never heard anything like that in the airport before, neither had I. And I, to this day, have never heard any call to prayer in the, in the O'Hare or any airport. So she took that as a sign and she got involved with the Sufi group down in Kentucky and or Tennessee, whichever it was. And uh, so there was clearly a spiritual sort of lesson teaching behind that symbolic event. Now, does that answer your question? Yes and no. Um, I, I maybe uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more um, today, but I am very interested in the use of uh, synchronicity f for spiritual development. I, I think it is a path of spiritual development, and I'm, I'm writing a book now that has that as its major thrust, coincidence awareness as a path towards spiritual development. My question is not so much about that, because we agree on that, and I'd love to hear more stories from you about this. Um, but my question is whether Jungians use synchronicity as a path for spiritual development. Well, that's an interesting question. I, I'm not sure I can speak to that so much, because it's been quite a few years since I was involved with the Jungian um, tradition. Uh, that's an interesting one. I, I don't know if I can really address that. Okay, I know people that I can ask. My reading of it is, uh, the answer to that is uh, very little, um, because they use it more in psychotherapy than for spiritual development. Um, um, but I've known, I've known Jungians, I have to say this, that do try to cover both bases. They don't see the psychological and the individuation side of it as divorced from the spiritual, and so... Um, I think there are some Jungians out there that see those two as intertwined, but I can't speak to the majority, the mass of Jungians out there. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm sure that's true. I'm talking about uh, what I've read by Jungians. Right. Um, 
you you had a a very interesting coincidence involving Norman, <laughs> the right. Norman Wave. Why don't you tell us about that one, please? Yeah, a, a number of years ago, the first time I traveled to England, I was debating whether or not to take a side trip to the battlefield of Hastings, for personal reasons, which I won't go into. And uh, about a week before I was set to leave on my trip, I was standing in line at the bank and. Uh, at the moment, I was literally thinking about this because I had to make plans right then and there. Uh, the guy in front of me in line in the bank was scratching the back of his head, and I could see the check that he was trying to cash. <coughs> Excuse me. And I noticed that the address number on the check was 1066. And I thought, wow, that's really something because the battle took place in the year 1066. And then I looked at the name on the check. And the name was Norman Wave. Now, if you know anything about the Battle of Hastings, that's when the Norman, Normans came over from Normandy and basically took over England. It was a wave of Normans. And so I wound up going to uh, the battlefield of Hastings and had a, a very interesting time, a very interesting set of experiences. So that, to me, was clearly a sign. Now, I, again, I always have to couch these things in like a, some kind of balance because I know people that think that synchronicity is about if you get green lights that means you're supposed to that if things go well for you it means that the universe is on your side you're supposed to do things um, you know you're, it's it's a sign of confirmation from the universe and I do think that's true to an extent but I think we have to be very careful with that because I was talking with a friend once about Look at all the times that Hitler evaded assassination. Now, does that mean that the universe was on his side? And I'm not even going to go there in terms of the philosophical questions. But, you know, it's, it's, you may simply have a good Jupiter transit. You know, person wins a lot of money. Uh, and I've literally known people that have won money and took that as a sign that God was more or less shining their, you know, his grace on them. And in fact, I looked at their chart and they just had a good Jupiter-Venus aspect. You know, it was just a cycle. And then when things go bad, it's not a sign that the universe isn't on your side. It's kind of like when when winter comes, it's not a sign that uh, you're not in the Tao or that you're not in connection with the universe. It's just a cycle because there's always going to be ups and downs. And I think that's where the law of cycles and karma is very helpful in terms of understanding synchronicity and putting it into some kind of context. That's good. Um, that's good. H how do you explain the... Uh... The, the check, that is a pretty low probability thing to have run into right when you're asking a question. That's a that's a connection between mind and context that right. doesn't look cycle to me. I mean, you could probably put it in a cycle. You'll probably find some astrological right. way of describing it, but it looks like more than that. It's, to a lo it's a low probability event where you not only come up with 1066, but you got Norman Wave as the guy's name. Yeah. What yeah. what a what a low probability event that is. Yeah, How I you... would see that. I think you're making a good point. It's not all just in terms of cycles. I think that's good in some context, but that was clearly a sign of a connection between inner and outer that was I think really clearly affirming that that was where I was meant to go at that particular time. And uh so yeah, I think that's a good point you're making. Well, I'm interested in uh, the speculations we have about uh, how things work and how coincidences work. And uh, the interesting comment you made about people having their own taxonomies, I, I think that's true. I, as I do my own taxonomy, I, I can see how it's limited by mo my own experience. People have also uh, a taxonomy of explanations. Uh, in the in the few seconds, in the 40 seconds we have left, and we can continue this, how do you explain that Norman conquest number? Um, you know, I really do think that, that this is where Jung's theory is absolutely right on the mark, that this idea of a striking rare coincidence, you know, that he focused on rare coincidences. That's where I disagree with him a little bit. I don't see it as strictly a matter of rare, unusual coincidences. But when those do come up, it's clearly a sign of that unos mundus, the idea of the one world, the connection of inner and outer when they perfectly coincide. And there's a sense. We're, 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 headed, we're headed towards uh, our break. We'll continue this uh, with Ray Grassi in our next segment.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to CC with BB, connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Biteman, MD, and that is me. Today we're talking with Ray Grassi, and we are expanding our view today about what synchronicity and coincidence is, uh, because Ray is teaching us to pay attention to the possibility that we live in a symbolic matrix, and that we can learn how to understand the symbolic matrix and learn to understand ourselves and find guidance and a lot of interesting ideas about how the way the world works from looking at the world from this perspective. Ray, we were talking about uh, the Norman Wave and 1066, the coincidence involving you're looking at a check while going while in a bank of the person in front of you and deciding whether to go to Hastings. And there was Norman Wave 1066, and uh, you took it as a clear, hey, Ray, you better go to Hastings. This is, gonna, this is what you need to be able to do. That was a clear uh, tell instruction, a clear guidance for you, or confirmation anyway, of what you were thinking about. And you, you referred to the Unus Mundus as an explanation, uh, Jung's idea of one world, a, a kind of an ancient idea. Um, that Jung began to use uh, as as part of his theorizing and his support for the idea of archetypes. But you've gone back, uh, as well as Jung has, to pre-scientific cultures that right. paid close attention to signs and symbols in the environment. What does what did studying these earlier traditions have to offer modern researchers into coincidence and synchronicity? It gives me, anyway, a, a sense of that broader vision. Uh, there are many kinds of meaningful event. You go back into Babylon, for example, with the Omen series. You look at the Native American traditions about symbols around the births or in the sky. Um, you look at even the, the Jewish mystical tradition. Uh, it, it's in all the traditions of the world, in some cases more obvious than others. You even find it, for example, in the Christian tradition, um, you know, like when the blind man, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, who hath sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus answers something to the effect of how neither. It's more or less so that the teaching of God could manifest through him. The, the, I, the idea that things have meaning, that we live in this meaningful universe that can take many different forms, or even, for example, a, a major uh, influence for me was reading Melville's Moby Dick, which is steeped in synchronicity and symbolism and this idea of uh, messages and omens and uh, divination. Uh, it, it gives you, I think, potentially this very broad, uh, integral perspective to look at these traditions. And the, the, the Indian uh, tradition, for instance, there are one of the Upanishads, as I recall, deals with this. Oh, no, the um, Artharva Veda, I believe it is, talks about how you can read the 
symbols of your life in much the same way as the symbols of the dream state. So again, it doesn't just focus, these traditions don't focus simply on coincidence. That's very important, but that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. Coincidence is more or less the most visible manifestation of this underlying connectedness, this underlying symbolism and meaningfulness that permeates not only our personal lives, but our culture, about our, our universe. It's, it's all-embracing in some sense. You described um, many cultures having uh, an interest in coincidences and more so into the into symbols uh, around us. Um, meditation also has emerged from uh, ancient cultures, uh, many of which have had meditation traditions. We tend to be going with uh, the ones from India, but there are other traditions, including the Jewish mystical tradition that had forms of meditation and, and, the Suf, and Sufi meditation. Um, but these are ancient ideas. We've had the scientific uh, revolution, which has tended to have a very negative effect on uh, looking at us as living in a symbolic matrix. But there's something potentially useful about the scientific way of looking at things, at, at least the way I see it, that we can bring science thinking to coincidence and symbolic understanding. I wonder if you would comment on your view of that. I'm glad you brought that up because the way I got into this when I first started writing The Waking Dream long before it took me about 15 years to finish the book but when I started I started my own investigation in my own life of synchronicities and symbols and I did it in what I consider to be a, a somewhat scientific manner of looking at how things unfolded looking at let's say if there was for instance if I saw uh, an accident and I looked at my inner thoughts at the time of the accident or the other things happening in my life and did I see patterns, uh, I didn't go in with presupp presuppositions. I tried to look at the evidence in terms of did things happen in connection with one another? What Did the, did the coincidences occur when I was going through periods of emotional or psychological change? Or for instance, if if a child was born, like if uh, my brother gave birth to a child, I looked at the symbols that happened around that child's birth and I followed that child as it grew up to see did the symbols more or less foreshadow that child's life. You can take a very scientific attitude towards investigating coincidences and symbols and meaningful events of many types. Uh, you have to with astrology, for example, and that's one of the things. If someone wants to understand synchronicity, in my opinion, you can do no better than to study astrology because it is the science of synchronicity in terms of looking at correspondences, looking at analogies, looking at symbolic connections. And it becomes very scientific over time. Now, it's not scientific in the sense of it can't be quantified in the normal laboratory way because we're talking about, her about hermeneutics here. We're talking about qualities. Synchronicity, in my opinion, to some extent, has to be a science of qualities, less so than, let's say, a science of quantities, uh, understanding those, those connections that exist on more metaphoric and symbolic levels. So that's, that's a simple answer to your question. Could you, could you define what you mean by a science of qualities? Yeah, for instance, I used the, uh, the example before of different Martian symbols occurring in a given day, such as, you know, fire or knives or arguments or things like that. Now, if you understand the qualities of those symbols, the meanings, the, the, the Martian nature of those symbols, you start to see connections that aren't really obvious from a purely quantitative standpoint. The quantitative perspective is good for studying literal coincidences such as obvious things like the number 23 occurring many times in the course of a day. You can catalog that and you can study how many times that happens and you know, calculate that in statistics. It's much harder to calculate statistics with qualities, though it can be done to some extent. There's the goggle and research with astrology, for example, which is a little too involved to get into here, or the Calisco experiments. Uh, I do think there are ways of studying and testing qualities but it's, it's quite complicated and uh, quite involved. 
I think uh, there are some emerging uh, scientific uh, computer-based uh, ideas that might make this a little easier. Uh, one of the things that human beings do so well and have needed to do so well help survival is our ability to recognize patterns. And this pattern recognition you've just described in the four instances of the, of the example you gave of recognizing uh, the pattern of, of force and then seeing how that pattern of force manifests itself in four different places. Computers are getting able to do some pattern recognition. It's not just voice recognition, which took a while to be able to do, but more abstract patterns like the ones we're talking about. And that may be a way of doing, putting numbers, which is what science loves to do, on qualities. What do you think of that? I think that that really can be done. I have yet to see... Uh, it done really on a totally successful level, but I do right. think that right. there are ways of doing this, and I'm hoping that with this computer revolution that we're going to see more of that in the years ahead, because I think it's really the future of uh, synchronicity on one level anyway. Is that is that kind of what you mean by the science of qualities to being able, with pattern recognition is central to that? Because that's what I think. I think that's a big part of it, but I also think a big part of it is, you know, if you look at the esoteric traditions, you see these things called tables of correspondences. The idea that everything can be categorized in the universe according to certain symbolic qualities. Uh, you find this in many traditions. And if you understand those, those categories, those archetypal categories, as opposed to, let's say, purely physical or quantitative categories, uh, and, and quantities, I think that understanding those tables of correspondences are, are, are a major key to this. That again, how can that be applied in, let's say, testing uh, context? How can it be uh, used with, let's say, computers and science? That's, that still has to be worked out, I think. Well, we got about a minute left, uh, Ray, and I, yeah, I, we've begun to touch on uh, a whole new area for our discussion, the nature of archetypes. Uh, and they're, they're under, these are underlying patterns uh, that Jung started talking about, but Plato did also, and so have many others. And you're alluding to them. You've got 40 seconds to tell us where archetypes play a role in the science of qualities. Um, you know what? Can I? Something that I think might be helpful is, can I read you, can I close with a quote from Emerson that really sums up what I've been saying here the whole time? Please do, and then we'll end. Okay. The whole world is an omen and a sign. Why look so wistfully in a corner? The voice of divination resounds everywhere and runs to waste unheard, unregarded, as the mountains echo with the bleedings of cattle. Ray Grassi, thank you very much for being on Connecting with Coincidence. It's been a pleasure talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you.